Happy Friday. I'm Quinn Emmett, and this is Important, Not Important, Science for People Who Give a Shit. The newsletter features the most important science news of the week, how to think about it, and what the hell you can do about it. Hit subscribe right now to get this newsletter every Friday, plus my conversations with the world's smartest people on most Mondays. You can find the email version and links to everything at newsletter.importantnotimportant.com, and the link is also, of course, in your show notes. You can also support our work and get further ahead by becoming a member. Members get exclusive essays, monthly live Ask Me Anythings with special guests, and access to our digital community. And it's all more affordable than ever. Visit newsletter.importantnotimportant.com to become a member today. It's July 15th somehow, 2022. Here's the week summarized. Joe Manchin fuels more heat waves. COVID reinforcements are on the way. India and California fight plastic. How we fight monkeypox. And wow, ring doorbells are really not great. In climate change news, U.S. Senator Joe Manchin, the single biggest recipient of fossil fuel money in Congress over the past two years, set fire to congressional climate action once again and perhaps once for all late last night. This says hurricane, heat, and wildfire seasons, or as the Union of Concerned Scientists has dubbed the combined entity danger season, come into full effect around the world. In the United States, a heat dome means tens of millions of people across the Midwest are wilting and millions of very, very hot Texans face the ongoing threat of rolling blackouts. A train derailed outside San Francisco last month because the tracks were too damn hot. It might hit 115 degrees in Phoenix this week. And La Nina refuses to get the fuck out and could drive even more hurricanes. Meanwhile, Europe is heating up faster than other hotspots. In Italy, they're facing their worst drought in 70 years, including risotto problems. The UK, Spain, and France are breaking heat records with energy prices and coal use skyrocketing alongside them. And in Asia, blistering heat waves are buckling roads in northern China while the south floods. But there's good news. Despite a five-fold increase in global natural disasters in the last 50 years, deaths from them have dropped almost two-thirds, even with a much larger worldwide population living more often in places where we just shouldn't. What the fuck? That's a great question. Well, to start a proven program of mostly unheralded and not really sexy but should be, structural improvements have made it so we're at least less surprised when these things are coming. Early warning systems for hurricanes, tsunamis, and rain, heat waves, and even seasonal fire outlooks make use of next-gen satellites, supercomputers, and AI, bundling data from weather patterns to vegetation density and moisture levels, all of which have made people at least aware of what's coming. And there's so much more we could be doing, of course, including letting the insurance industry use what's called catastrophic modeling to better price offerings, if not refuse them entirely. Look, I'll keep banging the drum about a standardized heat wave naming system and, say, wastewater monitoring for communicable diseases. But it's important to understand that early warnings aren't everything. So much suffering happens after a disaster is hit, and our responses are devastatingly inequitable. We pay firefighters who are mostly prisoners basically nothing. We don't have nearly enough nurses on a day-to-day level, and FEMA is just a little bit racist. 
So you've got organizations like World Central Kitchen spread out throughout the world, and in New Orleans, basically abandoned after Katrina, grassroots coalitions are using solar and batteries to mitigate power losses and inevitable future disasters. Our approach, from unilateral executive branch mitigation efforts, which are now required, to early warning systems and disaster response like that, has to be vastly more systemic, and those agencies need to be better funded, measured, and held to a higher bar. Here's what we can do. Vox actually has an excellent guide to community planning for natural disasters and heat. So uh, check it out. The link is in your show notes. And again, if you're a member, you can hit the link to discuss it with us in the community. In COVID news, BA5 continues to pummel countries worldwide, but reinforcements are coming, if not in the form of people really giving a shit. While the White House fights to renew the public health emergency declaration, the FDA has finally authorized the more traditional protein-based, so not mRNA, Nova vaccine, which may actually sway some vaccine holdouts, or not. Friend of the pod and global pandemic preparedness expert Dr. Nahid Badalia joined the White House COVID response team this week as senior policy advisor for global COVID response, which, to be clear, has been really fucking lacking. I want to be crystal clear here. Our decision, and it continues to be his decision, not to vaccinate the world and to completely reduce public mitigation efforts to almost nothing fueled the rise of BA5 and whatever inevitably comes after it fueled new infections and all these reinfections, the flight cancellations you're dealing with, worker shortages, and the relatively higher hospitalizations. We made this mess. So another new wave of infections and reinfections. That's the bed we've made. On the one hand, a reputable preprint study says reinfections in isolation seem to be less severe, especially if you were previously infected from another Omicron strain in 2022. But another study indicates that multiple COVID infections could mean a higher risk for long COVID symptoms, to say nothing of protections and vulnerabilities among the immunocompromised. And that's kind of the key here. Look, yes, deaths are a tenth of what their peak was, just 300 a day. That's incredible. But that's still 100,000 extra dead Americans a year, almost certainly inequitably distributed, and focuses only on deaths. That thinking only focuses on deaths, not the millions living with some hellish potpourri of long-term symptoms, keeping people out of work, with some percentage of those folks being prescribed antibiotics that not only don't work, but further antimicrobial resistance or superbugs. All to say nothing of the millions of burned-out health workers who are continually required to treat them. So look, I'm glad Nahid is on the team, and I'm tentatively excited about Novavax uptake. And that Paxlovid can now sort of be prescribed by pharmacists. We need to do all of these things. We need more marketing behind uh, the Paxlovid move to prevent bad outcomes among the highest risk among us. And we need more access to it. You're a shit giver, but there's a boatload of people who at this point simply don't care about getting infected or if other people do. They don't understand that they're still a vector. But this virus will continue to evolve, and we inexplicably continue to half-ass compete on a very unequal playing field, one where we're still breathing stale air on one another, partially protected by old shots and infections from old variants. We can do better, better. Here's what we can do. You can order your free tests, You can get your booster shot, you can track your wastewater, and you can sign up for the Recover Long COVID study. In food and water news, look, 
Plastics are the last hugely defensible bastion of fossil fuel majors, but we're beginning to take our shots. Here's how to think about it. Two of the world's largest economies moved virtually in tandem this week to eradicate single-use plastics. California, the greenest state with the dirtiest air, set a 10-year ticking clock for all single-use packaging to be recyclable or compostable. And India, a country just awash in plastic pollution, decided to include straws in their comprehensive ban despite intense lobbying efforts. Look, Maine and Oregon set the pace last year, I think, by transferring the cost of plastic recycling, however effective, from you to the packaging manufacturers. And Australia and France have varying levels of plastic bans. I'm sure I'm missing others, so please let me know. Other countries manage to actually recycle way more than we do here. So we have a very long way to go. We're getting there. But all in all, Coke and Pepsi aren't pretty fucking pleased. And it's not difficult to see why. From Bloomberg. Each year, beverage companies in the United States produce about 100 billion plastic bottles to sell their soda, water, energy drinks, and juices every year. Just 26.6% of PET bottles were recycled in the U.S. in 2020, with the rest incinerated, stuffed into landfills, or tossed aside as litter, according to the National Association for PET Container Resources. Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi pledged to source a quarter of their plastic packaging from recycled materials by 2025, with Coke and Pepsi vowing to hit 50% by 2030. Today, Coke is at 13.6%, Keurig Dr. Pepper Inc. is at 11%, and PepsiCo Incorporated is at 6%. Meanwhile, the fossil fuel majors making all that plastic are not only building new U.S. plants with Saudi money, but fighting solar plants too, because fuck it, why not? Look, like everything we talk about here, many things can be true at once. Plastic is popular because it is incredibly useful, and eliminating it will require new innovations. What are the trade-offs, for example, of plastic bans in a world where food waste is a huge problem too? It's fucking complicated, but it's gotta go away. So weighing those truths and truly measuring our externalities like, I don't know, microplastics and fetuses, that's our job now. We have to do these things, and we can do them. Here's what we can do. Check out the ReLoop dashboard to understand waste trends around you and how your city can begin to ban plastics. In health and bio news, it's time for a monkeypox update. So the TLDR, that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. I'm ancient. Look, it still probably won't be as widespread as COVID, but we are applying next to zero lessons learned about public health, and so we're behind the eight ball. To rehash, monkeypox is not smallpox. It's rarely fatal, like a very annoying cousin. It's not new, it's old, and it's named monkeypox because it was discovered in a lab monkeys in the 1950s. It's typically found in Central and West Africa, where white people ignore it, but it's more or less everywhere now because we ignored it and because we're morons. Folks would historically get it from animal bites or scratches, but now we're mostly passing it around via close skin-to-skin -skin contact or sharing infected clothes or bedding and via respiratory droplets too. But hold on. Symptoms show up within 6 to 13 days-ish of exposure and include fever, headaches, body aches, being fucking exhausted, swollen lymph nodes, and here's the key, 
a bunch of painful rashes. So it's important that we can see this versus a lot of COVID that we really couldn't see that was asymptomatic. So you're not probably infectious anymore once your lesions, which are like big pimples, scab over, which is in two to four weeks. It's a DNA virus. And again, it's old news. So it evolves much slower now and in general than an RNA virus like COVID. But it also may have changed a little, and we're not sure yet because that's how science works. But like COVID, this whole debacle, almost 10,000 global infections and counting as of today, may be increased from zoonotic spillovers. We're having more of those because we ignored early warning signs and also because we're all kind of finally traveling again or trying to. Also, there's a newish safe vaccine. It's useful before and after you get infected. And we're starting to roll it out, but we don't have nearly enough of it yet. And yeah, some might be in, on the way from a freezer in Denmark. I know. Lots of people born after 1980 didn't get the old one, so immunity is a bit low. But understand this too. It is 1,000% not a gay disease. But we should protect folks with infected or even multiple partners ASAP because of that skin-to-skin contact. So look, the risks are relatively low, but they're growing. And we're behind. But unlike COVID, we can make progress and quick progress by, one, funding 10 times more vaccine production, funding state and community health centers, pharmacies, and bathhouses, and three, to execute a ring vaccination strategy in hard-hit areas, and four, by, and I know this is my soapbox, marketing the shit out of the entire thing. Here's what else we can do. Look, if you or someone you know needs the vaccine ASAP, get tested at your doctor, because now private labs can handle the tests, and then, I know this sucks, but Google your nearest health department, and then call to ask about vaccine supply and eligibility. I wish I had a better tool I could recommend today. I couldn't find one. Please let me know what I'm missing. If you're listening or watching this, just hit us at questions at importantnotimportant.com or on Twitter at importantnotimp. In computer news, Amazon, the everything store that sells a smart doorbell called Ring, gives away your doorbell data for free to cops. And this week, it was revealed that they have been doing so without a warrant or even your permission. From The Intercept. Although Ring publicizes its policy of handing over camera footage only if the owner agrees, or if a judge signs a search warrant, the company says it also reserves the right to supply peace police with footage in emergencies, defined broadly as cases involving imminent danger of death or serious physical injury to any person. Senator Ed Markey had asked Amazon to clarify what exactly constitutes such an emergency situation, and how many times audiovisual surveillance data has been provided under such circumstances. Amazon declined to elaborate on how it defines these emergencies beyond imminent danger of death or serious physical injury, stating only that Ring makes a good faith determination whether the request meets the well-known standard. The spokesman noted that it complied with 11 emergency requests this year alone, but did not provide details as to what the cases or rings good faith determination entailed. Look, we have very quickly normalized mass surveillance, and it's unclear what your privacy rights are so far if caught on camera doing anything from driving across straight lines to get an abortion to standing on your front porch. From the ACLU. Individuals have a First Amendment right to take photographs of things that are plainly visible in public places, including government facilities, infrastructure, and police officers in public, all of which rights we at the ACLU have defended in court after individuals were illegally arrested. 
they certainly have a right to photograph their property in front of their front door. All that said, more pervasive private cameras do erode our privacy, and it is dismaying to see two powerful institutions in American life, Amazon and law enforcement, so actively and concertedly pursuing their mutual interest in saturating American communities with surveillance cameras. Look, the UK's vaunted new online safety bill just got put back on the burner when Boris quit. And in the U.S., only a few states have similar bills. While the FTC is just flailing to regulate a location data marketplace that can best be described as fucking anything goes. So, yes, it sucks when we've got to protect ourselves against these massive entities. But remember, systemic action requires using every tool available to us. Here's what we can do. If you own a Ring device, you can turn on end-to-end -end encryption, and the link is in our show notes. It's not the default. That's by design, and it's bullshit, but you should do it anyways. And here's 10 things from my notebook. Climate reporter Emily Atkin is back and heated. Her publication is growing. Help her fund a new reporter. Two, there may be an over-the-counter birth control pill soon, which really couldn't come quicker. Three, Tesla's AI chief just quit, and he's not the only one. Three, GM's building a nationwide charging network, finally. Four, could old poop cure you of future diseases? Four, starting tomorrow, dial 988 for mental health support. Doctors using AI catch breast cancer more than either does alone. Teamwork. Doctors in New Zealand are using a new version of CRISPR to tackle high cholesterol. Seven, or whatever number it is, microdosing works, so we'll take it. And a bunch of Harvard bioengineers built the first biohybrid of human heart ventricles. Meanwhile, I managed to get through writing the newsletter without accidentally deleting something important. So everybody wins. Look, that's the news for this week. Hit subscribe to get next week's news and tips straight to your feet. To go deeper, of course, visit newsletter.importantnotimportant.com. Com. Thank you for being a part of our community, and thank you for giving a shit. Have a great weekend. 